At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Uh, it was Valentine's Day yesterday, if you didn't notice. There's Josh Allen. A uh, little, little bit of a come-hither look from Josh Allen. Be my Valentine. Derrick Henry, I'd run 2,000 yards for your love, please. That's not bad. That's not bad. Look, we know these are going to be corny. That's not bad. As corny goes, that's okay. I'm not going anywhere. I'll always be here for you. Bruce Arians. With a, with bud, a bud light. light. With a bud yeah. light. <laughs> Which is a step down from the glass of brown liquid he usually has. You're my greatest catch. There's Cameron. Yeah. Great. The trophy in the air. Oh boy, the trophy. Uh, there was a little. There was a little controversy over the weekend about the desecration of the Lombardi Trophy. Good thing that the the lady who posted the video complaining <laughs> about the desecration of the Lombardi Trophy isn't related to Lord Stanley. Here's uh, Kirk Cousins. We make a great team. <laughs> great. Thank you. He loves him. He loves him not. That's what they should have done for Kirk Cousins. I'm accused of that all the time by Chris Sims, Peter, of having a very love-hate relationship with Kirk Cousins. It all depends upon what mood I'm in or, more accurately, how well or not well Kirk Cousins has played in his most recent games. So let, 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 let us be the last to wish you a happy Valentine's Day to take a page from the Chris Berman. Well, thank you, Mike. You know, I did notice, by the way, did you notice that at the Australian Open – that the daughter of the owners of the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres is now into the quarterfinals, Jessica Pagula. And after her match yesterday, or maybe it was today, I get screwed up by, by the time. You know, after her match, she channeled her Josh Allen. Said she's been inspired by how much Josh Allen fights and scratches and claws. I thought that was a really cool thing. Good for the Bills, good for... Uh, Jessica Pagula and good for the owners of the Bills. Somebody joked last night on Twitter that after winning the match, she jumped over the net and landed on a card table. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I bet she wouldn't be able to do that. You know, that would, that would probably not be good for the old career.
that would be that would be a violation of the very pristine rules of uh, tennis and also potentially could result in injury. <laughs> as we have seen to countless members of the Bills Mafia who have, oh, there's one that I saw recently where the guy jumped off of the top of a Mercedes Sprinter van and missed the table and landed on his butt right on the concrete. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the pain-killing effect of the alcohol only lasts for so long, unfortunately. All right, let's get into the things that are happening around the National Football League. And I'll tell you what, one of the, one of the big questions out there, we've, we've talked about, what the Texans will do with Sean Watson. We've talked about whether or not Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle. There's another quarterback out there, and I don't know that franchise quarterback is the right term. He was an MVP finalist, if not the presumptive MVP winner in 2017 before he tore his ACL in December of that year against the Rams. Nick Foles comes in, obviously, and leads the Eagles to a Super Bowl win. But Carson Wentz, with that $33.5 million contract, the Eagles ready to move on. Wentz ready to move on. There seemed to be a week and a half ago, Peter, a strong idea that they were going to get a deal done. And now it's just crickets and no one can figure out where this is. And I think the bottom line is the Eagles just aren't getting what they think they should. And so they're waiting. And I have no idea how long they're going to be waiting, but they're content to wait, at least for now, unless and until someone gives them what they're looking for. It really is crazy that 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 they can't get this done because they're motivated, Wentz is motivated, and at least the Colts would assume to be motivated. I think the big problem is it's just the Colts, that there really isn't another serious suitor, so it's just a waiting game between the Colts and the Eagles at this point. Man, I'd be really surprised if the Bears were not serious about him. Very surprised. You know, you've got John DeFilippo uh, in, you know, the passing game coordinator now. He's been promoted in in the ears of the general manager Ryan Pace and the coach Matt Nagy, uh, I'd just be very surprised if he wasn't pushing. You know, they had a great relationship in 2017, in the year that the uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and you know the two guys who were there who were really significant uh, in Carson Wentz's rise that year, obviously. Frank Wright, the offensive coordinator, now in Indianapolis. John DeFilippo, uh, you know, in Chicago, and he had been the quarterback coach. So I, I still believe it's going to come down to those two teams, Mike. But if you're Howie Roseman, you're sitting here right now, and you've got 30 days until uh, you get to the start of the next league year. You've got to trade Carson Wentz by day three of the league year. Because then, if you haven't traded him by then, he would be due a $10 million roster bonus. So you look at this situation, you ask yourself, well, you know, what's holding everybody up? And naturally, what's holding everybody up is the value because Carson Wentz has not been great since 2017. Now, he's been good uh, often in 18 and 19, but he just came off a year when he played at a Trubisky level. And so you can't just automatically sit there and say, I'm going to give you a one and a four for this guy. It's, it's more complicated than that. But if you're Howie Roseman, I look at it and you say, what's the rush? Let's just, let's just hang out and wait. You don't get anything. You don't get extra credit if you make the trade a month before you have to. And coincidentally, the one and the four that you mentioned was the package that the Eagles got in 2016 for Sam Bradford after Teddy Bridgewater, then with the Vikings, suffered the 
catastrophic knee injury, non-contact. It's always non-contact for a quarterback at practice unless, unless contact happens accidentally, but it was clearly non-contact. Season over. Vikings cough up the one and the four for Bradford at a time when Bradford was poised to be the week one starter with Carson Wentz, then a rookie on the bench. But the Eagles waited and waited and waited and waited and waited to the point where we didn't even know they were still waiting. And that offer falls into their laps. Now, I don't think you can bank on a quarterback suffering a catastrophic knee injury and all of a sudden there's a belated market for Carson Wentz. And I think the key is, and this is where you have to get Jeffrey Lurie fully on board with the approach. Because as you mentioned, March 19, $10 million roster bonus. It's already guaranteed. Whoever has that contract is paying it. But the, the, the check gets cut on the 19th. That's $10 million out of your pocket. And, and if you're the Eagles, because, I, I, Peter, I feel like because of what the Lions got for Matthew Stafford, I feel like the Eagles feel compelled to come away from this with a better deal. I, it, it occurred to me yesterday. Could they just pay the $10 million and then fold that money into the trade request and you get more for Carson Wentz at that point because you've already paid $10 million of the dollars that he's due to make? So then when it's done, you can say to anybody who may say you didn't get enough, well, look at what we got. Well, one of the reasons you got what you got is because you paid him the $10 million and his new team didn't have to. I think it's a good point, Mike, and I think it's a, it's logical. But I'll tell you, if you're the acquiring team and you make a trade on, you know, April 30th or, or April 25th for Carson Wentz, I mean, why should you be the ones to pay for a bad contract? You're already right. paying a lot more than you want to. That $10 million, in my opinion, should be the Eagles' penalty for 18 months ago paying Carson Wentz too soon. Well, the penalty is going to be getting whatever they get for him, which is going to be less than what they would have gotten if they had traded him after the 2018 season and kept Nick Foles instead, something that some suggested they should seriously consider, and I never got the impression that they seriously considered it. See, the problem is they gave up so much to get him in 2016, they weren't going to keep Foles over him after the 2018 season because they believed he was their guy, and then they paid him to get themselves even deeper into this. And and that it amazes me that they are willing to extricate and not keep him. Part of it may be he just wants out, and they know it's impractical to to keep a, a franchise quarterback in place who doesn't want to be with the franchise anymore. But this is not the time to be trading him. I know that the Eagles believe that this is similar to Ben Roethlisberger's third season, 2006, which was a regression. He recovered from it quickly. Peyton Manning's fourth season of 2001, the Jim Mora playoffs year. Mora got fired. Uh, Peyton Manning significantly regressed that year. He recovered. But you're going to give up significant draft pick compensation on the hope, on the chance, on the roll of the dice that last year was an aberration and not the new status quo for Carson Wentz. That's the problem, Peter. They always told me buy low and sell high. The Eagles are trying to sell low. I, I, you know, I can't buy any of the arguments that they would make because this past year, you know, Mike, there were 36 qualifiers in the NFL, uh, 36 quarterbacks qualified, you know, playing a minimal amount, uh, throwing a minimal amount of passes, 36 qualified 
for the uh, passer rating in the National Football League. And Carson Wentz was 35th, and he was one-tenth of a point ahead of Sam Darnold. So I, I'm, not, I'm not buying the, well, you know, Roethlisberger was lousy in his third year too and, and all this. I, I'm, not, I'm not buying it. Even though Roethlisberger in his third year had a negative uh, uh, touchdown to interception ratio, he didn't hit rock bottom the way Carson Wentz just did. And in addition to that, there are also all the stories about how he became very difficult to coach how you couldn't really tell him anything and how he reacted very adversely to Jalen Hurts being drafted. And, and, you know, look, I think I said this maybe a month ago on our show, Mike, but Bucky Brooks of NFL.com had the absolute perfect take when Adam Schefter reported that Carson Wentz is angry. Oh, you don't want to make Carson Wentz angry. Bucky Brooks said, you know what? Getting appointed a starting quarterback in the NFL is not a lifetime appointment. And Carson Wentz thought it was, and he he's got he was in for a rude surprise. So, so why then would the Bears even think about this? I understand John DeFilippo has the history and They're I don't know how much heft he has in the organization. Yeah, but but Peter, think think about this from both sides. If you're the Bears, and you just went through the Mitchell Trubisky experience, and they're never going to let you forget locally that you could have taken Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. Instead, you trade up to get Trubisky. And the Bears fans have been waiting for a franchise quarterback since Sid Luckman. And you bring a guy to town. Like, first of all, how are Bears fans going to react? My guess is they're going to be dubious at best about the possibility of Carson Wentz taking over, and it's only going to go downhill from there if he stinks right out of the gates. And then if you're Wentz, if you're Wentz and you just got out of Philly alive, do you really want to step into Chicago at a time when it's not you up know to damn you. well if you have any well, well, it is up to you if you make it known you don't want to play for the Bears. If I'm the Bears and I know this guy doesn't want to play for me, I don't want him. Even without a no trade clause, I don't want a franchise quarterback who already has a history of being a little entitled and there were there were stories about Carson Wentz and his failure to, to you know, establish the right connection with his teammates, and he was aloof, and he was entitled, and he was arrogant. That was pre the 2019 season. Those reports came out from unnamed sources, and when he addressed it, he legitimized it, and he said he's trying to get better. So I just think there's too many questions with Carson Wentz, and I think Chicago is a disaster waiting to happen. And trust me, we root for disasters in this business. It's good to have dysfunction. Dysfunction sells. But I don't think it's good for anybody for Wentz to go to Chicago. I think that at the end of the day, the Colts are the only team that makes sense. And that's why they're having a hard time reaching a consensus. Because Chris Ballard, the GM of the team, can sit back with his arms folded and just wait for Howie to call and say, all right, fine, I'll take your offer. And it was Ron Jaworski last week, the Eagles great, who got a Super Bowl ring from the team when they finally won the Super Bowl. That's how much affection they have for him. He goes on uh, TV or, or somewhere he said that all the Colts have offered is two second-round draft picks for Carson Wentz, and that's why the deal isn't done. And, and I think, I think two second-round picks, considering the contract you're taking on, I think two second-round picks is a damn good deal, and the Eagles, if it's on the table, should jump on it. Mike, you know what's a, what is one of the most laughable concepts imaginable in football today? And there are many of them. And that is 
that the 35th rated quarterback in the NFL in 2020 says he wants to be traded. And when uh, he is traded or, or they're closing in on a trade with the Chicago Bears, if that ever happens, if the 35th rated quarterback in the NFL says, whoa, 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 I'm not going to Chicago. I mean, is that the ultimate, the ultimate overplaying of your hand, the ultimate overplaying of who in the world do you think you are? You know, if you request a trade and you come off a year where you're awful, you just, you know, I I don't, this is going to sound dramatic. I mean, just shut up and go be good somewhere. (laughs) I don't care if you get traded to Saskatchewan. It's ridiculous to to even think that he would do that. But it's consistent with the mindset that's led us to where we are now. The fact that he was threatened by Jalen Hurts when Jay Glazer of Fox reported during the season, it messed him up having Hurts there when they use a second round pick on Jalen Hurts, that, that that sapped his confidence. And then what did we hear throughout the back end of the season? He wants out. He wants out. Relationships fractured with Doug Peterson. Okay, Peterson's gone. He still wants out. So if the guy's willing to, with the team that has paid him all that money, with the team that's tried to make him into a franchise quarterback, if he's willing to show attitude with them and he's been there for five years now, why would he not hesitate to show, or why would he hesitate to show attitude with a team that he's never played for? I don't want to play for the Bears. I I, I don't, given what we know and given where we are right now with Carson Wentz, I don't think it's a stretch at all for him to make it known through his agent, through whoever, to the Bears, that you're probably going to regret this if you do it because he doesn't want to play for you. And if and if they told me that, right? On one hand, oh, and this is this is the this is the confluence of old school football, George Young. Too bad you tell him tough crap, right? He doesn't determine where he plays or who he plays for. He signed a contract and they trade it, and he they trade it here. He's got to live with it. New school, we better be careful because we don't want a starting quarterback who doesn't want to be here. It's it's another example of this ongoing effort by quarterbacks to to flex their muscles, Peter. Maybe. It's still, it still would be the gall of the year uh, for that to happen. Mike, let me ask you a question. Because this intrigues me when I hear what Ron Jaworski said. What would you rather have? Would you rather have the Colts next to second round picks, which I believe would be about 53rd and then whatever it is in 2022. So let's just say about the 50th pick in the next two drafts, or would you like to have the 21st pick this year? What would you take if I offered that to you? Well, given the lack of a scouting combine, given that that this year is going to be even more of a crapshoot than last year was when it comes to drafting talent, I probably would rather have two lottery tickets instead of one. And and because I know the second one, I'm going to have a better chance to have an idea what's under the metallic paint than I am under this one. Uh, so I'd rather have two. I'd, I'd always rather have more than less. But obviously, the earlier you pick, the better. But I just, it's going to be a challenge this year with no scouting combine. It's going to be a challenge this year. Teams are going to, the reason, teams are going to have to make their, the their reason, assessments based on what's on film. I'll tell you this. The reason any day of the week I would rather have two twos 
right now at this point in time. You just mentioned it, Mike. There is really no sure thing anymore, you know, because you're going to do a lot of scouting. You're going to have fewer games to scout on this year than you did a year ago. And to me, it's one of the reasons why I believe that John Schneider didn't have that much of a fear about trading his next two ones for Jamal Adams because he figured that they were both going to be somewhere 25, 28 in the next two years. And, you know, really, why wouldn't you take a sure thing? But I'll tell you this. While, when I asked that question, I wanted to look it up. Okay, and so I'm just going to tell you right now, the picks, <coughs> excuse me, right around 50 to 55. Okay, and I'm going to go down to 49. Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool, 49. Los Angeles Rams, Cam Akers, 52. Philadelphia, number 53, Jalen Hurts. Baltimore, number 55, J.K. Dobbins. Okay, so you look at all that and you look at a lot of the guys that got picked right in that area. And then I could go up and and look higher around 20 and just say, I'd rather have two lottery tickets exactly as you would say. So if I were the Eagles, I might say, uh, you throw in a five, two twos and a five, and, I'll, and we'll make that deal. I might rather have that deal than if Chicago traded me the 20th pick in the draft. Another thing I'd like to have, too, and I wish this got used more often. I think teams don't want to tie up a range of draft picks because, let's say, for example, someone would offer the Eagles 2022 compensation based on Carson Wentz's performance or the number of games he plays in or the team's performance, whatever formula you come up with you have a second pick that is driven by what you get from Carson Wentz in 2021. But the problem is that team would then have maybe two all the way down to five. You couldn't trade it. You couldn't move it because you have to hold on to it because you don't know what you're ultimately going to be giving the Eagles after Carson Wentz's first year with the team. That gives everyone some protection. I just think that's fair, especially with a player who has question marks. And Carson Wentz has plenty of question marks. So if he comes in, he's a superstar. I'll give you a first-round pick in 2022. If he's the league MVP or if we win the Super Bowl, take my first-round pick. And if he if he plays half of the games, you get my fifth-round pick. That's fair, but teams won't do it because they don't want to tie their hands for you know their entire draft if they have a broad range, if they have a formula that could have anywhere from pick one all the way down to pick five, six, or seven that goes to a team. But that that's the fair way to do it, compensation-based on the performance of the player, especially for a guy like this when the Eagles are trying to sell the idea that 2020 was some sort of an aberration, Peter. I, You know, I think that's smart, Mike. But the one thing that I would say is that you're already, de- if, if you traded, let's say, a two in this year's draft and then a conditional something in 2022, remember, you're already devaluing uh, the pick You've got to take some risk when you make a trade like this because if you do get the Carson Wentz of 2017, then think of how cheap you're getting him, even for a two and a middle to low one. So anyway, I look, I think the Indianapolis Colts obviously are interested in Carson Wentz. Frank Reich loves him. So, but I I guess the overarching thing I would say is there's no hurry. There's a month. They got a month to go. If we're still talking about this, it's February 15th. 
If we're still talking about this on March 15th, that's when you know you should be concerned. The problem is, frankly, there was a sense that was created a week and a half ago that it was imminent, and that may have been an effort by the Eagles to get the Colts to overdo it now. This idea that the Bears were getting ready to send a first-round pick and Nick Foles and Tariq Cohen to the Eagles, that may have been an effort to try to get the Colts to jump. Because I think what the Eagles would like to do is just be done with this. We got other things to worry about. We just want to get this done. But patience may be the thing that gets them to where they ultimately want to be. And where that's going to be is Jalen Hurts most likely the starter. They're firm believers in having a second quarterback. And I don't rule out a separate transaction with the Bears that would bring Nick Foles back to town as the backup to Jalen Hurts. That would make it his third stint with the team. But just another one of the many stops on the quarterback carousel that's already spinning and will continue to do so for weeks, if not months. Let's take a break. 2020 season is over. 2021 season is coming. The MVP odds are out. We're going to play a little fill-in-the-blank with those odds when PFT Live continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Our friends at PointsBet have issued the odds for 2021 MVP, the favorite, the 2019 MVP, Patrick Mahomes, or wait, 2018. 2018, 2019 was Lamar Jackson. Man, I can't keep these guys straight. Aaron Rodgers, 2020, Lamar Jackson, 2019, Patrick Mahomes, 2018. Who was it in 2017? Do you remember, Peter? It was going to be Carson Wentz. Uh... It was Tom. Hashtag Tommy. It was Tom Brady in 2017. Yeah. All right. So who should be blank? We're doing fill in the blank. So I have to say blank should be the 2021 MVP favorite. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes because the Chiefs are going to be really good. Uh, Obviously, Uh, he's going to have the greatest weaponry of anybody. I'm not saying he will win it, but if I was making a uh, a betting line, I'd definitely pick Mahomes. Can we put the screen back up? Because I, I look, I, I Mahomes probably should be the favorite, but 
I'm intrigued by Tom Brady. Uh, look, he's going to have the whole year now to get ready to continue with the team that he just took to the top of the mountain. And he was able to do it kind of on the fly, changing the tire on the moving car as the season unfolded. You give him the full season. You bring back most of his guys. Tom Brady, and, and also just that, that whole, you know, the Tom Brady worship, justifiably so, reaches a new level. If they come out and they're wire-to-wire great, and they're the best team in the NFC, and Tom Brady has great numbers, and he's 44 years old, I think that plus 1,600 may be a pretty good bet right now. I still think that going into the season, Mahomes should be the favorite because, Peter, I think he's going to be ultra-motivated to come back and have a huge year. Just like with Tom Brady losing a Super Bowl, how it torments him, losing in the Super Bowl is going to torment Patrick Mahomes, and he's going to be ready to go in, in 2021, I believe. Mike, can you can you just go on a flight of fancy with me for 15 seconds and tell me that you know the Kansas City Chiefs this year in four quarters did not score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Last year, uh, at the eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter, they had scored one touchdown. They had scored 10 points. So in seven and a half of the eight quarters that they played in the last two Super Bowls, they've scored one touchdown. So I, if I were Andy Reid, I would, first of all, I'd take some time and work on my family, obviously. But at some point in this offseason, you know what I would start thinking of? I would start thinking of uh, why is it that when we get in these huge moments, really huge moments, that we have really, really struggled. And don't just tell me it's because we didn't have our two tackles this year. If you're that paper thin, you know, and and to me, I mean, Andrew Wiley, I think, was a disaster in the game, the right tackle. But if you're that paper thin, then, you know, you and Brett Veach have to get together and say, listen, we got to have four starting tackles on the team this year. Four. Four. But, But I think you have to look at everything coming off the last two Super Bowls and coming off, let, let's, let, let's be honest, down the stretch of this season, look at the Kansas City Chiefs struggling mightily to beat the Atlanta Falcons, scoring whatever, 17 points at home. You know, this, there are a few things with this offense that, in my opinion, I, I'd have some concern about if I were Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. One thing that Sims noticed as the year went on, there was more and more Patrick Mahomes running for his life behind that offensive line. Who knows what caused that toe injury, but the guy was putting in a lot of yardage behind the line of scrimmage. Ideally, you don't want him to have to do that. It's great that he can do it. You don't want him doing that all game long, week after week after week. And obviously, he's had surgery on that toe. It was a success, as it always is. We'll see whether and to what extent that affects him in 2021. But I think he's going to be determined more motivated than ever. And yeah, the Chiefs need to have depth. That's one of the keys. When Patrick Mahomes does that contract that leaves money on the table, one of the things you leave money on the table for, Peter, is depth, is having quality backups behind your starters. So when someone does get injured, as it inevitably will happen, you don't have a huge drop-off and you don't have a quarterback who is getting uh, harassed even more than usual in the Super Bowl like we saw him do eight days ago. All right, Blank is most likely to win his first MVP in 2021. Russell Wilson, because I think he's going to be ultra, uber, everything motivated as a member, by the way, of the Seattle Seahawks. 
And I think that creative tension between Russell Wilson and the combo platter of Pete Carroll and John Schneider, I think that creative tension is going to make the Seahawks better. So give me Russell Wilson. Wow. Wow. See, wow. That, that's going to take a lot of work offensively, and it's going to take a lot of, of ruffled feathers to unruffle to get to the point where it's going to work out. That would be something if they could. Why do they have to be like unruffled? Why can't, why can't they be a little pissy with each other? I you know, how saying. did they get, how far did they get being the welcome wagon? You know? <laughs> maybe, maybe what the Seahawks should do is use their first round pick on a backup quarterback. Unfortunately, they don't have a first round pick to use on a backup quarterback, but that worked. <laughs> that got Aaron Rodgers in a, in, in just the right sweet spot of being pissed off. Sorry, London to, to achieve the way that he did. I'm going to say, and this continues the trend, the second-year quarterbacks that take the league by storm, Carson Wentz, 2017, would have been the MVP. Patrick Mahomes, 2018, his second year, just like Wentz, second year the year before, Mahomes wins MVP. Lamar Jackson, 2019, his second year, wins the MVP. Kyler Murray was kind of on track for that early on. It fell off in his second year. How about Peter Justin Herbert as the NFL's MVP? in 2021 now again the the Chargers would have to be really really good and or Herbert would have to have a historic season but he was so good tapped on the shoulder when Tyrod Taylor was unable to go because of of the misadventures of Dr. Needle early in the season you give Herbert the whole year as the guy the sky's the limit for him yeah the question is can the Los Angeles Chargers in the same division as Kansas City, and to a lesser degree, Las Vegas. I, I, I can't see them being any better than 3-3 three and three in their division. Who knows what happens? But, Mike, you know, to win the MVP, your team has got to win 11 or 12 games. I, I think at least. Unless you're so transcendent and you throw for 6,200 yards and, you know, you do all these incredible things. But I... I it's it's hard for me to imagine that the Chargers are going to be 12 and 4. If they are, I definitely would put Justin Herbert in that in uh in that conversation. The trend has held for 9 of the last 10 MVPs. Quarterback of a team with a 1 seed in one of the two conferences is the MVP. Aaron Rodgers this year 1 seed in the NFC, he's the MVP. And that's the bookend. He was the one seed 15-1 and one in 2011 in the NFC, won the MVP. The only aberration is Adrian Peterson, the year that he made a late run at the single-season rushing record. All of those other guys. Now, it's possible one of them was a two seed. I think Mahomes in 2018 was a two seed. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, or were they the one seed? Either way, one seed or two seed back when they had the bye week. That got you consideration to be the MVP. Mahomes also had a great year in his first season as a starter, but it's quarterback from a great team. So we got a great quarterback with the Chargers. We just need the Chargers to have a great season for him to be in contention for the MVP. Player most likely to get an MVP vote while playing on a new team is? (laughs) What a category this is. This is fantastic. Player most likely to get an MVP vote. Uh, Matthew Stafford. And, and, and that's because, Mike, I, I think that the Rams are going to be 
they've got a very good chance to be a top two seed in the NFC. Because what were they lacking? They were lacking consistent quarterbacking. Now look, they're without Brandon Staley. I think Raheem Morris is going to go in there and he's going to be really, really good for that defense. I thought that was an excellent choice as coordinator. But to me, Mike, I think Matthew Stafford is going to have a giant season uh, playing under a coach who's going to be determined to say, hey, listen, you see what we've been missing? Watch us throw the deep ball this year. Yeah, that's a great one. And you know what? I'm also intrigued by where Carson Wentz lands. If it's Indianapolis, the team could be very good. The division seems to be taking a step backward. Uh, Wentz, Wentz as a potential MVP candidate, if it clicks with him and Frank Reich, that would be something. Could be an MVP candidate and comeback player of the year candidate. Although it reminds me of something that Shereen Williams said when Ryan Tannehill won it in 2019. Coming back from what? sucking which i guess that's still comeback player of the year you stink one year and you're good the next year you're making a comeback in some way shape or form um i'll say carson wentz just for fun although i agree with you matthew stafford's more likely the most likely non-quarterback to get an mvp vote is who say that again mike the most likely non-quarterback to get an mvp vote is who Um, I think what I would say to that one is Stefan Diggs, because I think Stefan Diggs, he's really found his sweet spot, uh, with that quarterback and, uh, Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. I mean, it's entirely possible. You know, we just voted a guy into the pro football hall of fame in Calvin Johnson, who had the greatest season that, that a wide receiver ever had. But I want you to think of something for a second, Mike. Do you realize that no player in NFL history, no wide receiver, has ever averaged 125 yards a game? Now, does that seem absolutely outrageous? It doesn't to me. And I realize the consistency you'd have to have is absolutely great. But I think right now, with the bombs away mentality of Josh Allen, I think he's going to be better next year, and he was damn good this year. I think Stephon Diggs has a chance to be the NFL's first 2,000-yard receiver. Hey, Peter, he's only going to need 117 this year because it's going to be 17 games. I mean, I think it's doable. I think it's yeah. doable. I remember this must have been 10 years ago. When I asked Aaron Rodgers, when the explosion of quarterback numbers, and I said to him, how far away are we from a 6,000-yard passer? You know, a 6,000-yard passing season. At the time, I think, uh, I I forget, I think Matthew Stafford had just thrown for 5,000 or something. But but I mean, you know, people were were edging over 5,000. And he said, oh, that's... That's too much. And I I forget what he said, but he was very dubious. And I think his point was pretty interesting. I mean, as I extrapolated it later, you got to average 375 passing yards a game, which is just absurd. You almost have to run the run and shoot. But I do think that it is doable for a receiver, you know, to average 125 yards a game. Very hard but doable. And if that happens, the guy in football right now I see having the best shot 
is Stephon Diggs. If he had a 2,000-yard receiving season, he'd get an MVP vote. L- l- let, me, let me pick another guy who's connected in a roundabout way to Stephon Diggs because the Vikings traded Diggs and then used a first-round pick on Justin Jefferson, who exploded once he finally got onto the field. The first couple of weeks, they didn't know what they had. He didn't play much. Gary Kubiak put him in the starting lineup week three. He breaks Randy Moss's record for receiving yardage by a rookie with the Vikings. Justin Jefferson could have a gigantic year. There's going to be a ton of pressure on this Vikings offense. They opted for consistency by elevating Clint Kubiak, who's going to run the same system his dad did. Gary retired this year. Uh, and they're going to need to get the ball down the field. And Justin Jefferson has proven that he can be very dynamic in that offense. Year two for him. Trust him from week one. Adam Thielen to take some of the heat off. Dalvin Cook getting the rushing yards. Justin Jefferson could have a huge year, and he could be a guy who gets an MVP vote. All right, last one. Well, first here, did you know Russell Wilson has never had an MVP vote in which week of the season, Peter? Say that one again? We'll first hear the quote, did you know oh. Russell Wilson has never gotten an MVP <laughs> okay. vote in what week of the season? Yeah. Uh, three. A- after, yeah, week three. After he's thrown for 1,300 yards in the first three weeks. And people will say, you know, one of the biggest, uh, it's such an outrage that Russell Wilson has never gotten an MVP vote. And I will kind of calmly, very calmly explain to every person and say this, this is not like baseball. You know, there is only, there's 50 voters and you only have one vote per year. So there have been 450 MVP votes since Russell Wilson was the 75th pick in 2012. But if you go over every year, I can't find a year where I would have voted for Russell Wilson or even close for MVP. I shouldn't say even close. I mean, he would have been in my top three or four a couple of times, but it's it's not it's just not outrageous. It's it's peculiar, but it's not outrageous. I wonder how much of that is motivating this this push for whatever it is he's looking for. He wants the offense to run through him. You're not going to be the MVP of the league if the offense doesn't run through you. And here he is entering year 10, and he's never even had a single MVP vote. That has to, you know, these guys are so competitive in everything they do. It has to drive him nuts that he's never gotten an MVP vote. So I think we'll hear about it week one this year. It's so well known. He'll be having a big performance, and they'll say it during the game. Whoever the Seahawks open the season with, it'll be brought up during the game that Russell Wilson's never had an MVP vote. All right, uh, that's that. Let's take a break. When we return, J.J. Watt cut by the Texans in part because of his bloated salary for 2021. We're going to do a draft of other veterans who should be wondering when they're going to get that phone call that they are former members of their current teams. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. You can check out the new Football Morning in America column right now at profootballtalk.com. The question that Pete Demolitis has put in our sheets reminds me of a question that I posed to Rob Gronkowski several years ago, Peter, when he appeared on this program and he was selling a book. And I said, well, Gronk, now is the moment in the interview where you get an opportunity to tell everyone why they should buy your book. And his response was, that's a good question. I don't know. So why should everyone read <laughs> in America today? Oh, you know, the, 
the two things I really loved in my column today were Rich Gannon, uh, the former quarterback for Marty Schottenheimer in Kansas City, with what it was really like to play for Marty Schottenheimer. He was really, really good. And then, you know, my uh, remembrance of Therese Paler, the Yahoo uh, Sports NFL writer who died uh, last Tuesday at age 37. I mean, a tragic loss for our business because I think over the next 25 years, he was going to be a giant in our business. And Mike, we simply do not have enough uh, black voices covering the National Football League who uh, you know are as smart and as powerful and as conscientious as Therese Paler was. He will be a beacon even in death for so many young journalists covering this league and quite frankly covering anything. Bob Glauber had a great item over the weekend in Newsday about Paler's efforts to to get people in the room at the Hall of Fame selection process to realize that Terrell Owens needed to be in the Hall of Fame. It was try number three for Owens, and he got in that year. And and it was great because Glauber talked to T.O., and T.O. didn't even know the story. And uh, just, just right. a great insight into into how that logjam was broken, how basic, how simple it was, and that the room needed that voice to kind of wake everybody up and realize, look, you, you can come up with a hundred reasons why you don't like Terrell Owens, but the guy's a Hall of Famer. You know it when you see it, and that's what the guy was, and we all knew it. It just took a while to get to the point where he got in. All right, veterans who are in danger of being cut in this year where the salary cap could go down by $18.2 million per team. We're going to do the draft. First, I'm going to ask Peter this question. Since it's inspired by the release of J.J. Watt, since he entered the league in 2011, his 101.5 sacks are second in the NFL for the first pick in the draft. Who is first in sacks since 2011 with 106? I would, oh, wow. I would just guess Robert Quinn, but I really, I, I should know that. And I don't know. You've interviewed him about it. He, you interviewed him when he turned 30 on pace to catch Bruce Smith. Von Miller. Why am I? Oh, Von my God, Miller. Von Miller. Yeah, that's terrible. That's, that's terrible. Right. You're right, Mike. Sorry about that. I forgot about that. No, no, that's Miller. that's fine. I got you the first deserve pick. the first pick in this draft. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I'm. Uh, I, I he's not on my list. He's not on my list. But with a new GM and a season that was wiped out due to injury and a contract that may be hard to trade, I'll start with Von Miller. I think he may be in danger of being released by the Denver Broncos as they move forward with a new identity for their franchise, Peter. Um, I think that's a good one, Mike. At least it's a good thought. Um, I, I mean, I, haven't we been saying that Alshon Jeffrey might get cut for about six years in Philadelphia? <laughs> I mean, they can't save they can't save a whole lot of money by cutting Alshon Jeffrey this year, whatever it is, four or five million bucks savings by cutting him before the uh, the start of free agency. But but honestly. What has Alshon Jeffrey brought to this team in the last couple of years? You have no Nothing. idea if he can stay healthy. You need every dime in this bloated cap 
Uh, if I were Alshon Jeffrey, I'd be looking over my shoulder. I did meticulous research before the show on cap hits and looked at rosters, and I just pulled Von Miller kind of out of the sky or some other orifice. But you know what? $18 million in net cap savings for the Broncos if they move on. He's in the last year of his contract. It won't surprise me at all. Next one for me, David Johnson, the running back who arrived in Houston last year with that trade with the Cardinals last year of his contract. $6.7 million in net cap savings for the Texans at a position where running backs are available any round of the draft, every round of the draft, or undrafted, as the Texans learned with Arian Foster all those years ago. So I'll say David Johnson. Mike, you stole mine. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that in any way that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a cap casualty. If they want him to be the quarterback, I, I need to put a serious asterisk on this. But, but honestly... If they cut him, if he's not on the team this year, they save $19 million on their cap. And I am not saying that they are going to cut him because I think they're going to keep him. But when I knew we were going to do this, I wanted to make this point. And that is that Ben Roethlisberger has to play ball with the Steelers. And everybody knows he's got to play ball to lower his cap number. But Mike, I think he's got to play ball in another way too. He's really got to refocus and rededicate himself to fitness and to be uh, the best Roethlisberger he can be for what might be his last year in football. So I know it's not keeping with this. I get it. But I did want to mention that. When you say refocus and rededicate to fitness, that implies that he ever was focused or dedicated. I don't think he ever was. I think that's part of the problem. He gets closer to 40. The Tom Brady lifestyle is not what Ben Roethlisberger has led over the years. And, you know, Ben uh, Ed Bouchette had an item on The Athletic recently saying until they, ha until they work out this deal, there's a chance it's going to fall apart and they're just going to cut Ben Roethlisberger. So you're, you're potentially onto something there. I got a lot of other names that I could put out there. But since we only have three rounds and uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a little frisky this morning, I'm going to say Jimmy Garoppolo just because I don't know that anyone out there is going to take on that contract and pay him $25 million or whatever it is this year. What has he done to deserve that kind of money? He's been injured, too injured. He's missed 23 games in the last three seasons. He had the 2019 year where he went wire to wire and then he freaked Kyle Shanahan out in the playoffs and they turned him into Bob Greasy. Everything but the, but the eyeglasses that Greasy used to wear during the game was Garoppolo in the playoffs after he freaked him out by nearly throwing three interceptions against the Vikings. So I'll say Jimmy Garoppolo, grave danger of being released by the 49ers since they won't be able to find a trade partner. Yeah, you know, I'll give you my my last one, Mike, and it's not a huge one. It just really isn't a huge one. But I'll tell you a guy who really, I, I think, really needs to be concerned right now, and that is Eric Flowers of the uh, of the Dolphins, because I'm just not sure that they view him as a long-term guy. A couple of others real quickly since I did the work. Golden Tate needs to worry. Preston Smith of the Packers, I think, should have concern. Riley Reef, the Vikings tackle. They gave him a million bucks recently for an incentive he missed. That may end up being the parting gift. David Njoku in Cleveland. Marshawn Lattimore, the Saints corner, who's in his option year. And uh, also Emmanuel Sanders and Latavius Murray, because the Saints have to do a ton of work to get under the cap. We'll take a break and wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this.
The 49ers' effort to get back to the Super Bowl for a second straight year essentially ended in week two with a rash of lower leg injuries on the fake grass at MetLife Stadium. Solomon Thomas, one of the guys who tore his ACL that day, recently made this observation to Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. The NFL needs to do a better job with turf. It should be all grass fields. We should take care of our players. Peter, this continues to astound me. The millions of dollars invested in players where is the investment in making them as safe as they can be on the field? Grass everywhere. It can be done. I think what has been proven, especially in these in climates like Glendale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, where they bring in the turf from the outside, and so players are always playing on grass. If you're in the Northeast and you're worried about climate, then build a little structure outside your building to grow grass year-round. And I, I totally agree with you, Mike. Every NFL game should be on natural grass. If they can do it in Green Bay, they can do it anywhere. That's it for today. See you tomorrow. Enjoy your Monday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 